Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined by the Sunday Mail's Scott McDermott. On the pod today, the transfer window begins to hot up as we assess moves for big money centre-half Connor Goldson and grizzled veteran Gareth McCauley. We assess Graham Murty's return to Ibrox and Rangers battle with Scottish football power brokers. What's really going on? Scott, before we start any of that, which is very exciting... You are out in Toulon. I am indeed. So we have a number of Rangers players uh, in the, the squad there. We have Robbie McCrory, the goalkeeper, uh, Rossi's brother, Liam Burt, Glenn Middleton. Yep. Okay, yeah. And of course, Billy Gilmore, who was part of the Rangers youth system, who is now at Chelsea. Yeah. Um, so if, if we start with the Rangers players first, and we'll talk about Gilmore after. What have you made of them so far? How have they been getting on? Well, Liam Burt. Is, uh, he's only come off the bench once, and that was in the first game against Togo. Um, so he didn't get much of a chance to to shine. I think he came on for like the last last twenty minutes or so, and kind of found it tough to to get involved. Scotland didn't play too well in the, the second half against the uh, Togo. That's why they ended up with a they ended up with a draw. Um, so I've not seen much of but uh, Robbie McCrory has has played one game out of the three. Now it was really surprising to us that he didn't play in the, the last group game against South Korea because he came in against France in the second match and obviously that was the big key result. Uh, Scotland beating France 1-0. And you know, Scotland played so well that day that Robbie uh, didn't have a lot of saves to make until very late on in the game. And it, it told you a lot about his kind of concentration uh, and his focus that um, when he needed to make a big save or when Scotland needed him to make a big save, he did it near the end for a header um, with, with, with a cracking save, which if you think long term, you know, if the boy's going to go on and play for Rangers, a lot of the time at Rangers you'll go the majority of games without making a lot of saves, but you need to come up with come up with one or two. So he really impressed that game. And when we got the team sheet for the South Korea match, we were we were surprised that uh, Ross Doohan um, from Celtic was, was back in. Our, I mean, there's a few journalists over here. Our kind of theory is that that Scott Gemmell maybe feels that Duan is better with the ball at his feet, um, and he's kind of tailored it in that in that sense. It, it might be more, it might be even more simple than that, John. It might just be that he wants to play, wants to give both of them game time, um, looking ahead to like the next under twenty one campaign. But he's got a big decision, uh, Scott Gemmell, with the game tonight because who, who does he who does he go with? Neither of them. I've really let him down. Uh, so, no, McCrory, McCrory was excellent, the France game. And Glenn Middleton, um, he came on in the first game, was only on for a short period of time, but made a made a good impact. Um, he didn't play in the France game, but I think that was more to do with the fact that Scotland had their kind of backs against the wall. It wasn't, wasn't really a game to throw on attacking, attacking wide men. Um, but then he was given a start against South Korea. Really impressed again, particularly in the first half. Set up Billy Gilmer's opening goal um, with a cracking, uh, cracking cutback for the byline. Um, and he's in contention for the game tonight. Him and Mikey Johnson for, from Celtic are kind of battling it out for the, the wide left position. So Middleton, probably at the three, Middleton's impressed the most. But say McCrory, McCrory was excellent against France. How, how far away do you think Glenn Middleton is from the Rangers team? Obviously signed from Norwich. Yep. Uh, I think very much uh, under the direction of Graham Murty, who'd worked with him previously. 
bit of fanfare about the signing when he came in as a very exciting youngster. And there was a lot of yep. surprise, of course, that Norwich let him go. Do you yep. feel like he's someone for next season? Because Rangers don't have a lot of quality on that left flank in terms of depth of squad. They've got Jamie Murphy now, who's been excellent, but perhaps Middleton can be someone who, who can be deputised deputize yeah. for him. I, I just think, yeah, I mean, I think Glenn Middleton's good enough to go, and, to go and challenge. I mean, I think every first team squad, including Rangers, needs to have the kind of. No, that that kind of core squad, but there has to be, you no know, three or four young players bubbling under, you no know, ready that, you know, if there is a few injuries or or suspensions or whatever that the manager can turn to, and you no, know, they're not throwing somebody in that's no that's no ready. They have to trust them, and I think, I think Glenn Middleton's shown enough, you no, know, both in Norwich and in Scotland under 19s previously, under 17s before that. Now he's made the step up to to 21s when he's only he's only 18 years old. Um, we keep reading match reports, obviously, of Rangers under-20s games when they're playing against good opposition from the UK and, and Europe. And Middleton always seems to, to make an impact, either with goals or assists. I think, for the boys' point of view, he's, he should be looking at Steven Gerrard coming in, looking, looking at his own situation and think, you know what, next season, I want to be a, a real big big season for me and I want to push. I want to try and be training, training with that first-team squad every day Impressing Gerard, putting a bit of pressure on, on Jamie Murphy or, or whoever else occupies that that wide left slot, um, and yeah, I think he's. I don't see. I don't see why not. I mean, if these if these young boys aren't good enough at eighteen, they really should shouldn't be there. Rangers made a big play for Glenn Middleton, as you're saying, getting him for Norwich. So, I think he's. I think he's ready. I would hope that Stephen Gerrard would take a couple of young players to, to Marbella for the pre-season camp. And if he does, hopefully Middleton can be one of them and hopefully he's given a chance to given a chance to impress. Uh, that brings us to Billy Gilmore, Scott. I spoke to Malky Mackay before I went on holiday um, yes. for an interview and we, we talked about Gilmore. And I said to him, what sets this lad out from the rest of the players in Scottish football around his age group? And he said yes. his, his ability to read the game Yep. He's technically superb, so he can action it, but he sees the game much faster than other players in that age group. Yeah, would you agree with that? I, I would agree with that. Um, definitely, I would. I would add to it. <clears throat> if you're asking me what sets him apart for other kids at that age, because um, it's important to note he is 16 in an under 21 squad. That's that's so what I mean. I mean, he's, he's due to turn 17 in a couple of weeks. Uh, I think um, well, he's due to turn 17 very shortly, but of course he is very young in an under-21 squad, but for me what sets Gilmer apart having watched him this week is just his composure, Johnny That that's, to me, that is the key, the key word um, the other key factor for me is that he's so two-footed it's almost very un- un-Scottish-like um, for me, and I've watched a lot of young players over the last um, the last four or five years in particular at Scottish youth level. But this kid, no, right or left foot doesn't bother him, which makes makes the game so much easier no, for any footballer because he can turn out in either direction and is comfortable on either foot. Um, but his composure on the ball <clears throat> and his calmness for someone so young in that environment is, uh, is quite scary, really. And you saw... His goal against South Korea, you know, when the, the ball came in from Middleton, I mean, the composure, he's got about three or four guys around him in the box, 
not only does he pull it down, he faints, um, takes his time and just pick, picks his spot and puts it in the corner. I mean, for a for a boy a, a sixteen, um, it's quite <clears throat> it's quite incredible, really, and really exciting, uh, really exciting for for Scottish football. I know Malky Mackay and Scott Gamble are really well. Malky in particular is really. No, pinning his hopes on this boys that the future of Scottish football would, um, no, with, and and that's not meant to put too much pressure on him, but you can't help get excited about about talent like that. And I would, as I say, he's just about to turn seventeen. Honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Billy Gilmer plays for the full Scottish national team. Um, before he's before he's eighteen, um, or maybe when he is eighteen, eighteen years old. Obviously, a lot of that will depend on what's happening at his club, where he's playing. If he's still in Chelsea's under twenty threes, if he's dare I say it, no knocking on their their first team door, or if they decide to send about and loan, which obviously they do with so many of their, of their young players. But he's a real, uh, he is the real the real deal, um, and. No, I expect huge, huge things from him in the future. In terms of players that are out there that Rangers might fancy or be looking at, there's two that jump out to me in terms of the performances last year, Scott. Yep. One we've already talked about, so we can you can just touch on it uh, yep. briefly. And the other one I think is an interesting one. It's Ryan Porteous and Alan Campbell. Yeah. Uh, do you think Rangers should be looking at these two boys? I don't think Rangers uh, would be doing their jobs properly if they weren't looking at you no know, talented young Scottish players who are on their who are on their doorstep. And Portis and Campbell for me would certainly come into that come into that category. As you say, we've spoken about Portis before in terms of young centre back. Um, I've said it a lot um, when he came in for a game against Rangers at Ibrox this season. When Hibbs had an injury crisis at the back, I mean, he played centre-back in a three with, with F.A. Ambrose and Lewis Stevenson at either side of him, and he was he was magnificent. Uh, and I think he maybe only played like nine or ten first-team games, but he's obviously a big part of Neil Lennon's squad. Now, he's still only, still only 19. He's played very well over here. When I think I'm right in saying he's carrying a he's carrying a wee knock um, that he's that he's managed to play through. I think he's a doubt a doubt for the game for the game tonight. Um, so of course Rangers should be looking at him. Campbell. I must admit has surprised me over here in the sense that I had a perception of him having watched him a few times in the Scottish Premiership as just being a grafter and a terrier and biting at folks' ankles and you no know, charging about the midfield. But I must admit, he's actually shown a different side to him uh, over here and that he can actually he can play a bit as well. Um, the first game, particularly against Togo, he was, he was man of the match. His passing was excellent. Uh, Billy Gilmer didn't play that day, but Campbell's composure in the ball was, was terrific. Against France um, in South Korea, he had to probably get back to that kind of uh, that kind of snarling mode, particularly against the French when he was deployed. Uh, he was actually deployed further forward for Scotland to kind of sit on the French uh, the French captain who was kind of dictating the, the play and Campbell never gave him a minute's, a minute's piece. Um, I'm not sure what his contract is at Motherwell. I'm assuming they've got him, they've got him tied up. But listen, if Rangers are looking at, if Rangers recruitment department is looking at young Scottish players 
who are around him. The way previously, years ago, you know, Rangers would go and get uh, like a Kevin Thompson from, from Hibs, for instance, or Stephen Whitaker or whatever, then Campbell and Torres must be two names that are on that are on a list. Are they good enough? I think no I think you would need to look at them again this season, see how they perform and if they continue to perform the way they have done at a high level, if Portis gets into the Hibs team and plays every week, then they'll they'll certainly be on the Rangers radar. Well, in terms of Rangers radar, there are a number of players being linked back here in Scotland, Scott. I'm sure you've seen uh, the transfer news regarding Connor Goldson. Um, yes. There seems to be a lot of speculation regarding that, a £3.5 million transfer. I had Ian McGarry, who's a Premier League transfer consultant, on the pod yesterday, and he was saying he felt there was still a little bit to go in terms of that deal uh, being signed and sealed, so we'll, we'll keep our eyes on that one. And also Gareth McCauley, 38-year-old yeah. Northern international legend, a grizzled centre-half who no-nonsense... Uh, yep. is, is basically his game. What do you think of these two names? I think Connor Goldson, <clears throat> Johnny's clearly one of uh, Stephen Gerrard's prime targets, I and mean, he's been talked about for for a good few weeks now. Rangers have made a couple of bids. Uh, obviously, Brighton are wanting a bit more, so I think that will. Um, I think that will probably uh, kind of rumble on a wee bit yet. But I think it's clear that Gerard sees Goldson as a key component in, in this Rangers team moving forward. Um, I've said before, he's at a really good age. He has good experience. He played in the Premier League last season. It's not often Rangers, <clears throat> but it hasn't been often in the last few years that Rangers can go to Premier League clubs and, and take their players. And I think that's where the Steven Gerrard factor comes into play because he can maybe lure a higher standard of player because he has his stature and you know, what, what, what he's given to the game over the over the years. So my gut feeling is that that deal will eventually go through. I'm not sure how much Rangers will need to pay or how, how willing Brighton are to, to drop their price. But I just think Gerard has made Goldson one of his number one priorities. Uh, and I'd be really surprised if that if that deal didn't eventually uh, eventually happen. And, I, and I've, I've said it previously, I think it would be a really good signing for Rangers. I think he fits the, the profile of the type of players and the, the age profile um, that they should be they should be going for. Obviously, McCauley's a bit, a bit different, as you say, 38 years of age. But you can't argue with his, uh, with his experience or the amount of games he played uh, in the Premier League last season, albeit in a, in a West Brom team that were ultimately relegated, but he seems to play every week. Macaulay, you don't hear about many injuries, even even at his age. He's been away with Northern Ireland this week to the other side of the world, playing in two, two internationals. So I'm not sure about wages and stuff, but if you could pick uh, Gareth Macaulay up for, for free, uh, almost in the way that Rangers picked up uh, picked up Davy Weir all those years ago, then I, I would say that would be a pretty a pretty decent signing for Rangers as well. Six foot five as well, Scott. That yeah. that's just designed for the Scottish Premier League, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, and it looks as if Gerard <clears throat> is going to want a mix of of centre backs. I mean, if you think that. Um, Obviously, David Bates is away, Russell Martin's away back to Norwich. I mean, you're pretty much, Rangers are pretty much left with the two Portuguese boys, Alves and, and Cardozo, who's 
futures are both up in the air. Uh, my understanding is I don't. I think Fabio Cardozo will probably be told to find another another club. <clears throat> Alves's future probably won't be sorted until until after the the World Cup. So you could be talking about Gerard having to sign three centre backs, no minimum. So Goldson and McCauley, on the face of it, would look like a decent partnership. English Premier League players, one older, experienced, um, vast experience in McCauley. Goldson, obviously a bit younger, can play a bit more for the back. Um, and there's a bit, there's probably a bit of sell-on value with him if he, if he comes up to, to Scotland, does really well. So, as I say, on the face of it, the two of them look, look really good signings, but I think he would probably be looking to bring in one more as well. In terms of loan deals, which there's been a lot of chat about, um, Liverpool uh, winger Ovi Ajaria, yeah. yep. uh, six foot, 11 appearances from Sunderland last season. He went there in January on loan. Is this the kind of signing that we're going to expect to see more of from Steven Gerrard? Obviously, going back to the, the Liverpool uh, youth setup, which he knows really, really well, and a player that can play across the front. Yeah, I mean, without being dispar- disparaging in any way, it's you know, that's probably more predictable from from Gerrard. Of course, he's going to he's going to look to Liverpool and the young boys that he worked with and also the relationship he's clearly got with, with Jurgen Jurgen Klopp. I mean if you've got a if you've got a source of, of players there, young players that you think you will be ahead of the queue um from other clubs in terms of trying to get them, no, you're gonna use that you're gonna use that source. So um listen there's a balance. I mean you don't you don't want to become too predictable where Gerard is just going for no guys that he knows, ex-Liverpool players, Liverpool youngsters. There has to be a balance, but by the same token, the, the reason you get Steven Gerrard is so that, he, so that he can use his contacts within the game. He's a huge, iconic name, as we've spoken about before. So, no, he's, you either want him to use the contacts or no. Um, so Scott, it, sorry, carry on. On you, on you go. I was going to say, are we seeing a pattern here? Gareth McCauley, six foot five, Connor Goldson, six foot three, Ovi Ajaria, six foot. Do you think we're going to see a, a much more powerful Rangers side next season? I hadn't really thought about that, Johnny, but now that you mention it, no, that would seem to be the that would seem to be the case. I mean, that, that one of the big or one of the many accusations levelled at, at the the current Rangers team from last season was that they weren't physical enough. No, they couldn't. And they couldn't compete with, with teams that were over over physical. Obviously, you think back to like the the Motherwell semi final, for instance. That was a kind of classic classic case. So, you no, know, maybe that is Stephen Gerrard's thinking that he has to put power, height, pace into this into this team if they're really going to try and make some sort of challenge to to Celtic. It's that old cliche, isn't it? You win the battle first, and then of you course. start playing your football. You win the right to play your football, which. You know, it's a bit of an anachronism in terms of the modern game, but I think it still applies to Scottish football. Yeah, I think it does. Um, I mean, listen, I think it probably applies to to British football if you kind of take Man City at the Man City, maybe even Liverpool at the equation because of the way they the way they play. But certainly for where Rangers are, we've spoken about it a million times. Rangers need to get back to doing the basics properly. Um, I've said it before, the Stephen Gerrard's job next season is to beat every other team in the Scottish Premiership uh, out with Celtic because the 
the old firm games will take care of themselves you know, on an individual basis. The 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 main aim for Gerard and Rangers has to be to make sure they are without a doubt better than everybody else underneath Celtic. And you're right to do that. You know, to get in against your mother was away, St Johnson away, Hearts away. You need to go and win the battle first and then you let your then you'll let your flair players kind of take over and to win that battle, you need to stamp your authority early, early doors. And having two commanding physical centre backs, having a, a commanding uh, no anchor man in midfield, having a striker that's going to put himself about. That's how you, that's how you stamp your authority on games. And then, as I say, you let your you let your wide men or your, your playmakers take over. What's your overall feeling regarding loan deals? I mean, we look at the history of them at a club yeah. like Rangers, and you've had some that have been a mixed bag, yeah. uh, some that have been positive. You know, you look at uh, Vladimir Weiss, I think, um, obviously got the assist for a cup-winning goal yeah. and showed some flashes. Gideon Zalalem uh, showed some flashes, scored the winning penalty in, a, in an old firm semi-final or, 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 a, or a crucial one. Yeah. And uh, Dominic Ball, who had his moments. But for, for every one of those guys that's, that, that had a good time of it, you've got Adalcio. Um, <laughs> but I was wondering, I was wondering when his name was going to come up. Yeah. At a club like Rangers, where the expectation is so large, fifty thousand fans, are loan deals aspirational, or is it just that they're a sign of the financial times at a club like Rangers, who are part of Scottish football, which isn't the most financially attractive league? Yeah, I think I think you've nailed it with your second point. Loan deals are far more prevalent now because of the. The financial situations at Scottish clubs and Rangers are included in that. I think you could even include Celtic in that. No, even though Celtic, with the money Celtic have got, they still need to rely on, on loan deals, particularly if you're going to the Premier League for them or big clubs in Europe, as Celtic have shown with a Patrick Roberts from Man City or an Odson Edward from from PSG. They're just part of the part of the game now, um, and I think I think they just have to be the right. You know, they, they need to be the right people, the right the right players to come in on a loan deal and buy into it. I think it's easy for players when it is a loan deal, particularly if it's short term ones, maybe like six months or whatever. That you know they can come in knowing that that, that ultimately they're going to get back to their their club, you know, whether it's a Premier League club or, or or abroad or whatever. And that's where the mentality thing comes in. You know the player that you're going for in loan has to buy into what, what you're trying to do as a manager, has to buy into the club and the, the culture and, and, and Scottish football. And if they do that and they can play, then, of course, they can be successful and, and they can be worth doing. Um, but what you don't want is signing three or four loan players who don't work out, particularly if it's at the same time, because they yeah. then, no, they're not playing, they're unhappy, they're stuck in this year-long loan deal that they don't really want to be in because they can't get into the team. They're maybe pining to get back to get back to England or, or whatever. So you need to be careful. I think with loans. I think they really need to be the right the right player. Um, and obviously that will be Gerard's job. But in terms of going going for guys at Liverpool, he should know what type they are. I mean, he said to us, "You were there. It is uh, it is unveiling that." Within a couple of weeks, no, even a couple of weeks, he said within a, a week or so in the Rangers dressing room, he would be able to suss out people's characters, whether they were whether they were up for the battle or no. So 
if he's signing these boys for Liverpool, the ones that he's targeting, he must be confident in their their mentality and their ability to, to come to Rangers and settle in immediately. Just touching on that that presser, Scott, I noticed there yeah. was some chat with regards to comments made by Andy Gorham about him coming back and actually playing. Yeah. But one of the unreported things from that presser was um, when Gerard was asked about coming back as a player, he said, well, whoever said that hasn't seen me play uh, with the under-18s under in training. Yeah. And there was, a bit of, there was a bit of laughter, wasn't there? But then yeah. very, very seriously after that, he said, no, listen, my, 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 I'll spit that out. My mobility's gone. Yeah. Uh, it's completely gone. And he said it in a sort of mournful tone, like, you know, he's not happy about yeah. it, but it's, that's the case. Yeah. And for I, me, there was absolutely no doubt at that point, there's no chance of seeing him in a, in a Rangers top. No, absolutely no chance. And, and the other thing about it is that Gerard is all about standards. No, as a as a player, and as hard as it will be, maybe for him to, to admit it within himself, if he didn't feel that he could be the Stephen Gerrard of old, and and no, didn't feel that he could contribute enough, then obviously he's not going to carry on. He's not going to carry on playing. So he's clearly felt like that, and that's why he's decided to. He's decided to retire, no, at the top, at the top level. But there was that. There's, listen, I don't, I don't think it was even a serious discussion about Gerard um, getting the getting the boots on again. And you're right, that day when it was when it was put to him, um, he just laughed at it initially. I don't think that's even that's even come into his head at any point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of uh, the other news, is Graham Murty's obviously coming back to the club into his old role. I think that's a bit of a surprise for us because we often said that we felt given his time uh, in charge, he would probably want to move on to something else. But yeah. he, he has actually decided to go back, which I think is a, a pretty brave move by both him and the club to just say, yeah, we, you know, it didn't work out, but we'll go back to business as usual. And I, for one, think that's a good thing because I think Graham Murty showed a fair bit of promise in, in a number of areas as a manager, and I think going back to what he's good at and working with those young players can only be positive with the experiences that he's picked up. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think he's got some. He's definitely got something to offer. Um, I'm slightly surprised. I thought that um, I thought that Graham Murty ultimately would probably want to go back, but but I feared that he would be so scarred, Johnny, by, by what had happened, particularly in those two old firm games, um, that he would find it difficult to go back. And as much as he would go back into youth football or development football, he would maybe look look elsewhere. Um, but I agree with you. I think it is, it is pretty brave. And, and you touched on it there. We uh, we asked Graham Murty several times during that spell as, as interim manager about no, we asked him if he'd thought about what he was going to do come the end of the season if he wasn't getting the, the Rangers job on a permanent basis. And he just kept saying that he would go away, think about it. And the key phrase was, he says, I'll look at it and, and decide what I feel I'm best at. And to me, he's gone away, he's reflected, he's had a think about it. And ultimately, I think he said to himself, at this stage of my career, maybe I'm not ready for for first team management. That was a a baptism of fire that didn't didn't go well for me. However, he clearly feels that what he's good at is is coaching young players and nurturing young players. And I think you'll have looked at it. 
type of guy, Graham Murtis, I think he would have looked at it and said, you know what, why why shouldn't I go back? I was doing a decent job before I stepped up. The no, I enjoy living in Glasgow. Uh, he's obviously grown to grown to love the the club, and I think he'll actually be looking at the the Stephen Gerrard appointment and thinking it's pretty exciting exciting times. I want to go in and see what Gerrard's got to offer. See what Gary McAllister because Graham Murty's still a a developing coach himself. I think he's, he's he always says he's still. He's still learning the learning the trade, if you like. So I think I've looked at it and thought, you know what, why why not? It's a new start. There's a new manager coming in. There are big changes at the club. You no, know, there's going to be new players. The squad's going to look totally different. So why not? Why not go back and give it a give it a go? So like you, I'm 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 pleased that he's he's uh, he's going to go back there and work with the work with the twenties again. Okay, well, moving on, Scott, to um, Rangers' battle with the power brokers of Scottish football has been taking place over the last couple of weeks. It's almost as if um, Dave King has hired Craig Levine as his new PR man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We've seen, obviously, the the comments of Gary Hughes come to light in which he said, I think, what has he said? The Rangers supporters are the great unwashed. Yeah. Which, which for me, it's not the crime of the century, um... But I think it was a part of a larger, a larger plan. It seems to be to to address the fact that Rangers, for a, for a number of years now, have not been really involved in the the higher echelons of the Scottish game, and yeah. are looking to re-establish their influence. Because I think there's a feeling at Ibrox that uh, Celtic, in the meantime, have have sort of entrenched a power base there. Would that be yeah. a fair assessment of of how they see it? I think that's certainly how, how Rangers see it, Johnny, yeah. I mean, obviously being over here, it's been difficult for me to try and keep track of all the ins and outs of this. Um, and it's, yeah, you've got the Murdoch McLennan stuff as well, obviously, yeah, where there's supposed to be a, a conflict of interest. Yeah, you can get bogged down in it at, at times. But it, listen, in terms of the Gary Hughes situation, you're right. It wasn't the crime of the century. I mean, in the grand scheme of the uh, grand scheme of insults, it was pretty. It was pretty low on the on the scale. However, it's one of those ones. For the SFA's point of view, he probably had to go for the simple reason that not not for that instant really alone, but you no, know, whatever decision uh, or or any decision in the future that doesn't fall in favour of of Rangers then the SFA would, would have a problem because of Gary Hughes's background and because of this because of this incident. So no, unfortunately for him, I think there was no there was no option left for him but to but to go. Um in terms of Rangers battling, listen, I'm never going to criticize any club, no, be it Rangers or anyone else, for no, for st- standing up for themselves basically and fighting for what, what they believe in, what, what the supporters believe in, I think. On a lot of occasions, you need to you need to commend them for that. Uh, and it's important to note, Scott, that the fans are lapping this up. So, in yeah, terms yeah. of playing to its, the, the the core demographic, yeah. um, your Rangers fans think this is exactly the right thing to do. Yeah, and I think that as a bit of that from the club's point of view is that they know that the fans will will buy into it, so they can they can go for it if you like and fight for what what they believe is right. Um, I just think I said last week. On the pod with, with Fraser, that as I say, I, I'm not criticising them for, for fighting for what they believe in. I'm, I'm totally, totally behind that, as I say, for any club. I just think you need to be careful that it doesn't become 
that it doesn't take over the, the whole agenda. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't. It doesn't kind of derail for what they're trying to do on the pitch. You know, with the Gerard appointment and try to get new signs. There's a real. There's a kind of feel good factor, or there will be a feel good factor this summer as, as new players arrive. Um, as I say, changes are made. I think there's stuff going on at Ibrooks as well that, that's going to going to make it better for for next season. So, listen, I'm not, I'm not saying the the fights off the pitch shouldn't go hand in hand with that, but I just think it's you know, when you get bogged down in statement after statement and it goes back and forward and it's a bit tit for tat. I think you know sometimes you need to kind of rein in for that a wee bit and and look at what's really important. And I think. You know, no matter what battles you're fighting, and however worthy you think they might be, the key, the key aim for Rangers, the key battle for Rangers, or the number one priority, has to be to get a winning, a winning team out in the pitch and get Steven Gerrard off to a, a flyer where where they can go and go and challenge Celtic. And as I said last week, if you're going to get into a fight, or going to get into a, a battle, you're better doing it for your position of strength. And if Rangers are at the top of the league, winning trophies again. That will be their position of strength to really go and really go and fight for what they believe in at, at kind of SFA and SPFL level. With regards to Murdoch McLennan, obviously our chief sport writer Keith, Keith Jackson has come out and said he does feel that his um, I think his chairmanship of uh, uh, an Irish media company that is Dermot yeah. uh, Desmond and another Celtic shareholder I think own forty five percent of uh, is a conflict of interest with his role in the SPFL. Yeah. Um, What's your take on that? Do you think that Rangers have a point? Because it seems to split people right down the middle. I think they do have a point. Again, looking at looking at it from afar, Johnny, because I've, I've been over here nearly nearly two weeks now. But I think they do have a. I think they do have a point. I think that from the outside, to me, there is a clear uh, conflict of interest, and I think Rangers are right to are right to bring it up, right to ask questions. Um, Right to ask for, I think they've asked for a kind of uh, a review, an independent review or whatever. So no, I think I think they do have a I think they do have a point in in going after it. As I said before, I, I just sometimes I wish it could just it no it could be done a bit more a bit more privately because I think I don't think the headlines ultimately are good for Rangers. No, those kind of headlines when, as I say. The focus should be on on getting players in and, and helping Steven Gerrard and making the team and the squad better. Um, now listen, maybe it couldn't have been done more privately. Maybe that was the only way to go to go about it. It's become a very public a public spat, obviously, with the, the SPFL. Um, but it just for me, and it might just be me, it just gets a wee bit unsavoury at times. And I think there's I think there's ways to to deal with these deal with these things behind behind closed doors. But in terms of the actual point, of of course, I think Rangers are right to ask questions in the SPFL and right to right to raise the, the issue of, of conflict of interest. That's all from us. We'll be back next midweek with more news and analysis from All Things Rangers. If you want to get in touch with us to continue debate, you can. Uh, you can tweet us at Record Sport. You can tweet me at Johnny R McFarlane, and you can tweet Scott at Scott McDermott Eight. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Acast to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening. Hanging on the edge of
Use your mind, use your body, let it drain 